0: Welcome back to Open the VoiceGate for November 24th, 2020. We are members of the Voices of Wrestling podcast network. You can find us on the Voices of Wrestling feed, or you can find us on our own dedicated feed on all podcast platforms applications. You can follow us on Twitter, at Open VoiceGate. If you'd like to donate to the show, just click the link in the show notes. It'll take you to redcircle.com. You click the donate box, and you can do a one-time reoccurring donation, no obligation whatsoever, but it'd be certainly appreciated. I'm one of your hosts, it's your old pal Iron Mike Spears. Join us always with my co-host and friend Case Lowe. In Case, we were just talking about before we hit record, we're in this like interesting lull time that I don't think either of us saw coming in November. But no shows to review this week, bud
1: co-host and friend, Mike Spears. Nice to talk to you again. Yeah, I I don't even know what we're doing on the show today. As of the time we're recording, which is Tuesday night, the 24th, we do not have the full card for the Gate of Origin, which is coming up this Saturday on November 28th from Sendai. That show is airing live on the Dragon Gate Network. We have what we assume are going to be the top two matches, the Triangle Gate match and the Twin Gate match, and we have the Sendai Girls Offer match as well. But say Open the Dream Gate Champion Shooting Skywalker, we do not know what he's doing on this card as of now. And there was no show this past week. I think it was the first week since the first week of September that Drangate had not run a show that aired on the Drangate Network. Perhaps there was a week or two that I'm forgetting, but I think they had been running consistently taped shows for three months. And so this entire week, I felt like I was forgetting to do something. And even today, I was like, oh, I, I, I'm i recording with Mike tonight. Let me get my notes together for this show. And there are no notes together uh, to get together for this show, Mike.
0: Yeah, there's nothing to really review this week. This is kind of like a typical post Kobe world kind of setting we're in where they usually go dark for about two weeks before launching again normally for their build-up for Dangerous Gate this this year of course with everything changing there's a bunch of house shows going on right now uh Shin Skywalker is being kept into singles matches where he's squashing people in three minutes with the SSW but that's really all the indication we have for him but you know not much going on and you know, for Gate of Origin, this is kind of fitting that that we don't know too much about it going in here. So we're going to run down the uh, two matches of consequence we know about for Gate of Origin this Saturday from Miyagi Sendai Sun Plaza Hall, and then we're uh, we put a we put a tweet out asking for people knowing that there's been a little bit more of a renewed interest into Dragon Gate. Just people asking questions about it, kind of a mailbag Q and A. We don't do these very often, case, but it seemed like that this is the right card to pull out of our deck this week.
1: Yeah, I mean, we might as well. I I like answering questions that people have for me, and this week seemed like the best week to do it.
0: Yeah, so let's talk about let's talk about Gata Sendai before we get into the mailbag. We have three we have three matches: the Sendai Girls offer match, Chihiro Hashimoto and Eureka Oka versus Jazz. Dash, Jisako, and Minami. And then two uh, title matches. Open the Triangle Gate, the R.E.D. team of Takashi Yoshida, Kazuma Sakamoto, SB Kento versus the Torimon team of Susumi Yokosuka, Ginki Horiguchi, and Izushi Kanda. And then a Twin Gate match where B.B. Hulk and Kai go up against the two, the two guys that they've been kind of paired up against for the last two years. So well, that's all we know as of time of recording. I assume knowing how gate of origins have gone it that the rest of the show will probably be a lot of low consequence stuff like are you expecting anything suddenly to get announced i'll take you back here
1: no, because the Dreamgate match was obviously confirmed for Final Gate minutes after the Kobe World main event, and the Bravegate match for Final Gate was confirmed on a house show where Kagatora picked up some wins and then challenged Akuda to do a match. So that is set for Final Gate. So we're not gonna get a title match from either of those belts. My only I guess intrigue that I have is what is Shun Skywalker going to be doing on these shows? Is he going to get a squash match against a, a undercard talent like he's been doing on the house shows. And really we couldn't even break down the house shows this week because they're all so cut and dry with the exception of Skywalker doing these squash matches, or is he going to team with some unaffiliated guys, the rookies, maybe Mochizuki and Gamma. We don't know. I think that is the only thing that I have really honed in on when the official full card is announced. And then we've got these two title matches and I I will say up front, I don't think either title will change hands, but I do think both matches, the Triangle Gate match with R.E.D. against the uh, uh, Jimmy's trio, now a Tory trio, and then Hulk and Kai versus Yamato and KZ, I think both have the potential to be legitimately great matches.
0: Yeah, and specifically, I think the Twin Gate match is the one that I have a little bit of a higher standard for given for Given the fact that Hulk, Kai, and Yamato, this, this Tag Team Championship has revolved around the two since 2018, and then you insert KZ in there, of course, he has a history with with at least Hulk and Yamato with uh, with Tri-Vanguard, and then later, actually, KZ and Hulk were teaming together in d Hearts, so they have even further back kind of history there, so there's a lot to play there. And then, I mean, you look at this Triangle Gate match, and it is a former Jimmy's Trio, you have Susumu and Ginki. They've been ta- teaming up so much as of late. And then Kanda, who... You know, I'm not saying that I'm all in on Izushi Kanda in 2020, but he's been such a pleasant surprise seeing how Kanda has been since he turned face last fall versus how he was slumming it with Verserk Antios and R.E.D.
1: It's funny you mentioned that. I was looking back at an old card for something a few days ago, and I was looking at Pox Dragon Gate Run because I think... You know, the KZ match and the Shun Skywalker match and, you know, really all of his title defenses, Yoshino, KZ, Skywalker, Dragon Kid, Ben Kay, those got so much attention, and and rightfully so, because they were all legitimately great matches, but I started looking back at cards of Pac showing up at Cork and Hall, Pac showing up at Kobe Sambo Hall, and these uh, televised spot shows that he was doing, and a lot of his run was him and Yasushi Kanda Teaming together, typically in a trio, but still is a lot of them together. And I thought, my God, what a bummer. Because heel Conda is something I don't want to see ever, quite honestly. It's never been an act that I've been all too enthused with. And as he's gotten older and slower, it's become overbearing at times. I mean, it's just not something that I find to be entertaining in the slightest. But this late stage baby face Conda there's just a charm to him there that is absent when he's a heel. And then you look at the guys that he's teaming with. I mean, you know, it's Horiguchi and Susumu, obviously the Kyushu Pro Tag Team Champions. At uh, least we not forget, Mike, that they are also title belt holders of their own. <laughs> and then you throw them in there with SB Kento. I, I think the the result is not in question, but how the result occurs is what I'm wondering. We saw SB Kento at Kobe World, obviously, submit Masaru Yoshino, I think if he taps out Horaguchi or Konda, it's no big deal, and it's the result that we expect, but it should should the eyebrows be raised at all if at the end of the show, SB Kento taps out Susumi Yokosuka?
0: I mean, that's the uh, person of consequence on that Toribon team. Like, he, he's claimed Yoshino, which is one of the biggest like direct falls you can get within the company right now. So i I definitely think that's on offer i I wouldn't be surprised now I mean he just we're we're talking about a guy that in one night tapped out M- masato yoshino like it, and yes he's on his retirement tour, but that's the most protected guy in Dragon system history and he tapped him out so I almost think that that must be the finish in a way and that like this is like the most consequential way you can do to further. Provide more jet fuel to the rocket pack they're giving SB Kento. So I kind of expect that in a way.
1: Yeah, I think if it happens, it'll be great. And I think it'll be a moment. And it's something that we'll, you know, not only come on here next week and talk about, but as time goes on, no matter what happens with SB Kento, we'll either be talking about how right we were when we talked about the month where he submitted Yoshino and Yokosuka and how we knew this guy was going to be a star and look at him now. Or it might be an Al Lindemann situation where SB Kento was winning the zero one junior tournament six years from now. And we're going, Oh my God, what could have been what, what went wrong? Why did Susumu Yokosuka leave Dragon Gate and start his own promotion in Taiwan? That was never going to work. And, you know, that is obviously, I think the black mirror to Shima and the OWE it's not happening. I know nothing. It is purely what I thought of off the top of my head, but It seems like the safe bet is that SB Kento is going to be a star barring injury or any sort of catastrophic booking. And, you know, when Mike and I, five, ten years from now, are hosting this podcast, but we've been able to throw the writing duty at other people on (laughs) VoicesOfWrestling.com, we will be referencing them to this month, November 2020, and saying, see... We always knew this guy was going to be a star. And look at him, now he is. And I hope that's what happens. Not only that he becomes a star, but that one day I can foist the Drangate writing duties off to somebody else.
0: I mean, you're just looking for a new teenager. Like, let's call spade L- a spade a L- spade.
1: Literally, I'm looking for the next Voices of Wrestling young boy that I, I can, because I have to be able to trust them. I have to be able to trust that on a monthly basis, they are reviewing and Hall shows, and that they're reviewing the Big Five Plus Champion Gate, Gate of Origin, and maybe another spot show here, here and there. I, I would prefer if King of Gate is televised that they're covering you know the, the King of Gate Kobe Sambo Hall show and the Sapporo Triple Shot and whatever else. I love the Voice of Wrestling writing staff. Some of my really good friends. I do not trust anyone on that site to to consistently do it. And for now, it is my baby, and I'm not I'm not ready to pass it off yet. That's the other thing, you know. That baton is in my hand, and I'm not quite at the finish line yet. But I'll be 22 in February. My life is changing. I, you know, I, I have a, a world of possibilities out there. I know Mike and I are going to be podcasting for as long as as long as this voice, as long as this mouth will open. But every once in a while, I think, man, it would be nice if somebody could write these show reviews. Because we're at a point now, Mike, and and you've noticed this, I have been able to step off the show previews lately, which is great. I (laughs) love that we now have a Voice of Wrestling writing staff where we can get four people to do a draggy preview, and I'm not one of them. It's a great feeling to see a John Hernandez shoot his hand up in the Voice of Wrestling slack and go, you know what, Case? I got this one. John, take it. Please. That's all I want. Eventually eventually we'll have somebody be able to do that with the cork and hall shows but for now i'll be handling the written reviews and i'll be doing the same thing for gate of origin this saturday and it's a good feeling mike i've been doing it for five years almost every show that has aired in some capacity a cork and hall and then obviously the big shows i've reviewed for the last five years john carroll's had to step in a few times mike has had to step in a few times but for five years i've been the guy and it's a good feeling mike
0: I mean, I'm just right now imagining uh the Kobe World twenty twenty six show. It will be the that would be let's see how my math is at nine thirty at night. Twenty fifth. That'll be the twenty no, that'll be the twenty seventh edition of Kobe World. I'm sorry, I was wrong there. And I'm imagining case just parachuting in saying, No, it's time for the big cat to step in here <laughs> and you pulling a lens of there. So. Well that's
1: that I was is, I was just about to say, you know, Joe Lanza only writes behind the paywall now. And if you're not subscribed to the flagship Patreon, you should honestly just for Joe's writing. Forget all the other stuff they do, which is great, but Joe's writing is tremendous and for a variety of reasons I've been going back through the Voice of Wrestling archives, stuff from 2013, stuff from 2014 lately. And I really miss Joe's writing, but Joe's at a point now where the site's big enough He just gets to parachute in the flagship podcast and then he gets to write about whatever he wants to on the Patreon when he feels like it. And that, my friend, is the life. That's what I'm looking for eventually. But we're not there yet.
0: Must be nice. By, by
1: 2026, Mike, we better be in Japan for Kobe World. We better be co-opted at that point. I, I, I would love to be co-opted by Drangate. Unfortunately, these are my honest opinions that I give. This company just happens to be so good that it might sound forced at times, but no, it's really just how I feel about them. But if the Japanese office is listening, you know, uh, Mike and I have PayPal accounts that are very easily accessible.
0: Venmo, Cash Me, I mean, I, I, I'm not hard to get a hold of
1: no no i again i got options uh like mike and i you know we we got options just let us know
0: and it's something that that's kind of the tone of this episode in a way just a segue for a second like we have noticed and i've talked to people i don't know if i would call this a boom but in a lot of ways this is a interesting time that it seems that for once it's not just us like hollering into the well for once saying dragon gate's been doing great stuff dragon gate's always been solid now everyone's realizing that it is and it's very encouraging because it, i remember back when like oh nine oh ten when or not 010 2010 where uh you would look at the wrestling observer uh awards and dragon gate would be the top wrestling company to ufc and they'd finish second and i would remember like the u-stream era and it's nice to kind of see this People coming aboard, rediscovering their love of Dragon Gate. And for some people, mainly Joan Lanza, realizing that this is not a promotion that you should just parachute in and just do massive catch-ups. It's much more rewarding to watch it as it unfolds. So, it's a nice time. It's interesting that this is the show that's, that's capitalizing on the nice time, you know?
1: I don't think the Western interest is quite where it was in 2015, in the first half of 2016. Because I think even by the time Tozawa left, interest had dipped a little bit. I, I mean, I really think the peak of modern Dragon Gate was Kobe World 2016 in the main event with Yamato beating Shingo, because that match was built up perfectly, and the match was nearly perfect. I went four and three quarters on it in my review because I was reviewing Kobe World 2016, and I, that was just the peak of of this era of a post-Blood Warriors Junction 3 era, and we're not quite at that point. I also, I, I think just the community that I'm in now, it's going to be tough to gauge, because in 2015 and 2016, I was uh, certainly operating in some different circles, and I think, was a little bit more like out there of like, hey, this is good wrestling. You guys need to watch this, you know, Naoki Tanazaki match, and just for a variety of reasons, I'm not like that anymore. So maybe there's a whole other group of people that we just don't hear from. they don't interact with us on Twitter at open Voicegate or at Fujiheya at underscore in your case that are are there, and I just don't realize it. I will say it has been great. I've noticed just an uptick in my own personal Twitter of people asking about Dragon Gate, people interacting with Dragon Gate related things and it's great to see because it was not uh that strong for a long time. So yeah, I think the western interest is up selfishly New Japan declining is the best thing that can happen for this podcast. And I I'm someone that I'm currently working on an essay for the Voice of Wrestling ebook this year about how upsetting it is to see New Japan's decline. It, it's it's really hard to go through as a fan. But as someone that covers Dragon Gate, I realize, hey, if people aren't getting their Japanese wrestling fill from New Beginning, New Beginning in Osaka anymore, all of a sudden Truth Gate is where they're turning to. That's good for me, so I'm open to it.
0: Yeah, it's it's going to be interesting to see where this goes. Uh, before we 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 get into like our grab bag, our intro to Dragon Gate, uh, did you have any big takes about the Twin Gate match? I realized we kind of glossed over that a little bit. I just think it's kind of. I, it's something where like this Hulk and Kai team, it's so sleazy that I can see this match being an absolute mess in a way. But at the same time, I have enough confidence in how Kai is as a heel and Yamato and KZ that I feel like that this maybe has a wide range of where this can land. Like I would not be surprised if we walk away going like, did we just see a four and a half star match in Sendai on this B show? Like I wouldn't be surprised, but I also wouldn't be surprised if this is something that we're just like... Oh, this is an extended angle again. Okay.
1: That's exactly it. It's really high ceiling, really low floor. I am into this Yamato KZ tag team a lot. And I I almost wish they would just win the belts here and be done with this and then have this all-star reign because that's two A-list guys holding the twin gate belts. I mean, that's that's a big deal if that happens. I, I don't think it will just partially because you have the... Sapporo Triple Shot coming up, uh, or uh, the Hokkaido Triple Shot, which is Casey and Hulk's hometown. And so I know we're going to get continued interaction probably on all three of those shows. So it, this is, I think, chapter one. And whether it's, you know, this this grandiose feud, I don't know. But it is at least going to be chapter one of a larger story. But I think the champions will retain it. And, and I have hope that it's going to be really, really good.
0: Yeah, especially seeing how tough it is to draw in Sendai Sun Plaza, I would like that they were able to put forth the best effort for 2021. You know, do enough that the Tohoku fans would be like, you know what, next time they come in, I might have missed this show, but I heard that it was awesome and come back here. And I feel like that this is a match that if you're, if they put their best foot forward and don't sleaze it up, it could do that. Absolutely. So I, the sendai girls match uh i am not aaron bentley or taylor mainborg i am not completely versed on all forms of joshi i when i've seen Chihiro hashimoto i love shihiro hashimoto i think she's great dash Chisako, i've seen a bunch of as well i've not seen a lot of eureka Oka or manami so i don't feel like i'm in the right place to give any sort of indication or preview there i mean are you any way more familiar with them than i am
1: no, I think Hashimoto's worked these shows every year since She has, doing yeah. Them. Yeah, and she's she's good. I, I, You don't know a lot about Sunday Girls. I know far less than you do, but I know that Chihiro Hashimoto is not going to waste my time. She's a very talented wrestler. So, you know, I I, I like that they do it at something different every year, and I, I have no issue with the inclusion on this show.
0: Yeah, yeah, and I, I feel a lot better about this match than when they would plug in Stalker and Yosuke San Maria in there. Like, I know this is actually going to be, like, a legit match and not a comedy fest. So I'm looking forward to it. I want to see who Eureka Oka and Minami are and see how they are. I mean, i imagine this would—and again, I'm feigning ignorance here— I imagine this would probably be one of their biggest platforms here. So I'm stoked to see what comes out of this match.
1: Yeah, I don't know of any hidden Sendai girls drawing records. So, yeah, I think this is a pretty big opportunity for them.
0: Yeah. So, that's what we know as of tonight, time of recording, on November 24th for the Gate of Origin show. It is, again, this Friday evening, Saturday morning. It's 1500 Japanese Standard Time. As Kay said, it'd be about midnight Central Standard Time. That'd be 1 a.m. my time. I know Kay will eventually have up the review and we'll cover it. We'll review it for next week's show. But one thing we did, Case, okay, because we, we decided that we wanted to kind of pull an aud- audible here and put out questions from the mailbag. We put this out both on Twitter and in the Voices of Wrestling Discord. A bunch of questions, just open-ended, saying, what, what would you all like to know about Dragon Gate if you're someone who is either discovering the promotion for a first time or if you're someone that is coming back to it after 2015 or even earlier? So, Case, okay, so we got a whole bunch of questions here. So... Unless you have anything else to add on, to, let's get into it.
1: Yeah, I haven't seen any of these questions. I saw there, there. I saw there was a question about BB Hulk, but I did not read it, and I don't know anything else. So I'm looking forward to this.
0: So I, I have seen the questions, and I'm going to kind of stage them because I think there's one really good question to kind of close out the show on. But first, we're going to go to Twitter. This is from Chad Campbell at Big Boys Play WCW. Great follow on Twitter, asking us. Do you think Mochizuki will get another Dreamgate challenge?
1: Well, first of all, Chad Campbell's the man. If you're not following him, you should. He is uh, one of, I mean, top five favorite person of mine to discuss wrestling with, and that spans multiple continents and decades. I, I really, really enjoy talking with Chad about wrestling. Do I think Mochizuki will get another Dreamgate shot? Yeah, absolutely. I hope he gets one against Shoon. There's a built-in history there and their King of Gate match last year, May 9th at Cork and Hall was in my top 10 last year. I think it was my my number 9 or my number 10 in the Voices of Wrestling match of the year poll. And that was a match that I I thought everyone slept on. It was it was Everything you would want. It was Shun flying around and Mochizuki kicking him out of the air. It was perfectly <laughs> executed. And you have the Mochizuki Dojo stuff on top of that. So I think we haven't seen the last of Mochizuki in a brief main event role. Do I think he'll hold the title again? No, not unless something goes horribly wrong.
0: Yeah, I, 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 I've learned not to bet against Masaki Mochizuki in life. I think that he's someone who will keep on wrestling case until he is ready to retire. Then, sadly, he will pass on from this plane. But he'll be wrestling until he's like 80. I fully believe it at this point.
1: Oh, and and he has every right to because he showed no signs of slowing down.
0: Yeah, yeah. So, I think he will. I think it's a question of when. The one date that I see that really sticks out to me that I feel like they're going to want to be doing kind of a big thing for is... They're running three Corkins in January and February, and they like having an early year uh, uh, Dreamgate defense. Like, that's where KZ got the title of Mr. February, was because he always had these Dreamgate defenses early in the year. And I feel like he would fit pretty well in that situation. You know, I feel like that Shun versus Mochizuki in Corkin Hall, hopefully they'd be able to get a full house by that time. I I think that's where I'd put it. Like, it's not a question of if, it's a question of when for me.
1: Yeah, I think a January Cork and Dreamgate defense of Skywalker versus Mochizuki would fill that building to the maximum capacity they're allowed to. And I think it'd be a great match. So I I think we'll see it eventually. If it's not the Skywalker reign, let's say Ben K holds the belt again, not that he wins it at Final Gate, but sometime down the line. I mean I the, the Ben K Mochizuki chemistry has been so unbelievably great in their two Dreamgate matches, Champion Gate twenty eighteen. Maybe 27? No, 2018, I think. And then uh, they did a, a match in October of that year as well, I believe. I might have my dates off on that. But they were both four and three quarters. I mean, they were just unbelievable. So I, I think there's a lot of different guys that you can slot Mochizuki in with a defense on a smaller show. Now, is Mochizuki headlining Kobe World again? no. Is it happening at a Dead or Alive or a Gate of Destiny or a Dangerous Gate? Probably not, but I can't rule it out. But a Champion Gate or a cork and Hall, absolutely. I think Mochizuki will have a Dream Gate Defense at some point. Or a Dream Gate Challenge, rather.
0: Yeah, I, 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 I'm i with you completely on that. Uh, I'm going to veer us into the Voices of Wrestling Discord for one second. This is from Regrads, and they are asking us, What is the actual likelihood of Tozawa ever coming home? Please don't say zero. So, no 0% chances, and I don't think there's a 0% chance here. So, Case, what do you think is the likelihood that we'll see Akira Tozawa again in Dragon Gate?
1: Well, I'll answer this question in my own way, and then I'll let you... Because you're closer to the situation than I am. I, I will say this. If Tozawa leaves WWE, and he goes back to Japan, he's coming back to Dragon Gate. There's not an entry point for him in New Japan, and... As strong hearts continue to work everywhere but Drangate in New Japan, there's obviously no role for him there, and there would be no connection anyway. So, if Tozawa comes back, he's coming back to Drangate. The issue is that I don't think Tozawa's coming back.
0: Yeah, and to follow—because to, I'm completely on board with with that, um, if he leaves WWE, don't expect him in AEW with current people that are in AEW right now. And I'll just leave it at that. You've probably heard us enough over the last year and a half talking about stuff like that. That there's a good reason, there's a good person who's evolved, not one of the EVPs, but someone who's in the promotion that is a reason why he would not go there.
1: Which is an interesting situation because I know the Bucks love Tozawa and I think as the AEW roster grows, I think you would have more people realistically going to bat for Tozawa then it becomes a really interesting political question uh, from, you know, Japanese wrestling and Drangate politics as to whether or not Tozawa would accept an invitation there. And I think it is highly unlikely, but, you know, it's, I think it's more likely that Tozawa goes to Drangate than he does AEW, but both are incredibly unlikely.
0: Right, yeah. And then New Japan... I mean, the problem is is that you, you'd have another non-trueborn coming into the juniors division. His best friend is in the company, and I can't discount that. But if I were to rank the potential of him leaving WWE, I would go some sort of freelance, then Dragon Gate, then New Japan, then All Elite Wrestling as of the field of today. I think there's a better than 0% chance that he comes back to Dragon Gate, but not a high chance.
1: Yeah, I mean, if he left, there's a 95% chance he comes back to Dragon Gate. I would say there's a, a, what, a 3% chance he's in All Elite, a 1% chance he's in New Japan, and a 1% chance he's a Freelancer. I think the All Elite odds are probably a little bit better than the New Japan odds, just because he can get in the door in All Elite. They're just it. It becomes an issue of of the company that is inside of that door. I think in New Japan, unless Shingo's backstage role is something that neither of us are aware of, I just don't think there's an entry point there. I don't think they have any interest in him.
0: Yeah, and to my knowledge, Shingo is still not under a full time New <laughs> yeah. Japan contract.
1: I don't think Shingo's office, at least last time I checked.
0: Right, right. So that that was a pretty light one. We'll take it back over to Twitter. Uh, we are asked. Uh, by Raven Rez. I've always been intrigued by B- by Hulk. Seeing clips on the line was also how I found DG. Beside the Hair versus Hair match versus Shingo at Shingo at World 2010, what are the must-see BB Hulk matches and feuds?
1: Oh man, that's a that's a, okay, so that's a good question. Unfortunately, just all of Hulk's prime is not on the Dragon Gate network, with the exception of the Kobe World matches. So you mentioned Kobe World 2010. If you haven't seen the World 2011 main event with Hulk and Mochizuki, you need to see that. It's one of Hulk's best matches. It's his best match as a heel. It's the the apex of that character was Hulk versus Mochizuki. It was well built. It was well executed. It was everything that BB Hulk as a heel represented. If you are able to navigate the internet and find it in certain places, BB Hulk's first great match is against Shingo, but it is on the King of Gate 2005 show. It is December 26, 2005 in Cork and Hall. Both of these guys at this point are a year into their career. Hulk a little bit less. He debuted in March, so nine months into his career. Shingo's just over a year and they get time and cork and Hall on a big show, and they go out there and they kill it. I mean they they have such great chemistry with one another off the bat. And you see from there why it became World 2008 and World 2010 and Final Gate 2014, and why they have this generational feud. It is all off the back of this match that was just... It's young guys going for it. And not only is it young guys going for it, it's young guys sticking the landing. So it's incredibly exciting to see. And then the other thing that I would recommend checking out from Hulk if you haven't seen it is his tag team with Shingo, which I I don't know if it's underrated. I think the issue with that is they just didn't have a lot of straight two-on-two matches, but the ones that they have... Whether it's uh, the January 2008 match against Speed Muscle in Cork and Cork Hall is unreal. They go from that... They've got the Hulk and Shingo versus Kenta and Taiji Ishimori match. Now, that match is circulated pretty well. That match should be on the internet. If you haven't seen it, go watch that. Because Ishimori and Hulk work well together. And then, obviously, it's Shingo and Kenta in 2008. You know exactly what you're going to get, and it delivers. That year, they have the Ring of Honor run in, in Florida, which I know, Mike, you were at those shows. They wrestled Jimmy Jacobs and Tyler Black, and then El Generico and Kevin Steen. And both of those matches are tremendous. And then they've got, I think, a Summer Adventure Tag League they work in 2008 as well. And I like those matches. The the Hulk and Shingo team, had they had any sort of prolonged run, I think we would look at them as like an all-time great tag team. But the issue is we just don't have that much of them. And I was mistaken. Hulk and Tanazaki team together in the uh, 2008 Summer Adventure Tag League. And it was Shingo and Dragon Kid, another incredible pairing. But that is for another time.
0: Yeah, um, you hit on some of the early ones that definitely are worth it. Um, Stuff that's on the network that I would say seek out is his Dream Great run, because I think the big matches now are on the network, and particularly Gated Destiny 2014 against Akira Tozawa with the best ever video package that Dragon Gate's ever done, and then the Final Gate match 2014 against uh, Shingo Takagi, the match that changed uh, Hulk's career in for lack of better words. um, And
1: and even the Dangerous Gate match against Doi, I I don't think the Shingo match is on the network yet, but I think it will be, because I think they'll do Final Gate uploads this year. But the Dangerous Gate match with Doi is on the network, and I don't know if I've watched that match since it happened, but at the time, I loved it, because it's Doi and Ward City Gymnasium, which is his building, and Hulk is, you know, a valiant babyface champion, and I, I loved that match. And I'll let you finish in a second, but... It's a shame the Uha Nation match is not on the Dragon Gate Network. That Hulk versus Uha match for a number of reasons should be seen.
0: Yeah, I know that's a really cool match, and that's Uha's best singles match in Dragon Gate as well. It's something where the other one that's a Kobe world match is New Hazard versus Muscle Outlaws, I think, is Muscle Outlaws at that time. Yeah,
1: yeah, World Two thousand seven.
0: Yeah, World Two thousand seven. It was Hulk to it was Hulk uh shingo and cyber kong it's also cyber kong's best match ever versus uh Magdu kishawada and i want to say speed muscle maybe yes yeah. It, yeah
1: it's the ultimate pairing of guys at that time because it's i mean it's speed muscle before either of them were single stars kishiwada who's great and then a young not, he's clumsy, but he's not distracting Cyber Kong. and then, you know, Hulk and Shingo, and it's it's one of the all-time great Triangle Gate matches, and that is on the network at uh, World 2007. Mike, can I complain about the Dragon Gate network for a second?
0: Yeah, we should probably talk about the Dragon Gate network, since this might be a show for people who aren't used to it yet. So, yeah, well, go off, King, go off.
1: This is th- Look, I-, I don't know what to tell people. If you can't, I, I-, I know it's inconvenient, but I the Dragon Gate Network has existed for like three or four years now. You have to watch the shows within a week and then they go away. And I'm sorry. I know that sucks. I know people want to binge this stuff. That's how it works. I'm done having that conversation. It's just, I, I'm i tired of it. But, this week, I'm so excited. They're going to upload the T2P show, the first ever T2P show, November 13th, 2001. It is one of the single most important wrestling events of all time. And, you know, we're a year out from the 20th anniversary of that show. And I've already started planning stuff for what I want to do to celebrate that show when the 20th anniversary comes around. And Mike and I have raved about the, the Toriumon footage that is on the Gate Network. And if you're not a subscriber or if you're an early subscriber and just haven't checked in a while, at this point, the Toriumon library is two full years of Toriyama at this point. It's a really vast library that has a ton of important stuff on it, just in the foundations of Toriyama. So the archive, well, look, I would love to be able to go on there and turn on a Corican Hall from 2014, but that's just not an option at this point. But if you're interested in watching the dragon system from the literal beginning... There's a lot to watch there now. The archive is disappointing, but it's still good. But I go to watch this T Two P show, a a show that I've seen probably ten times in full. I just love having that show on again. It's there's nothing, there's nothing like it. And Mike, this show was clipped to shreds. They don't show the ring unveiling at the beginning. Which, if you here's the thing, if you've never seen the show. Watch it and enjoy it because you don't, you literally don't know what you're missing. And so you'll still be blown away at what you see. But the original copy of this show, compared to what is on the network, it is such a disappointment. They're missing so much stuff and it's just not the same.
0: Yeah. It's the thing about the network, as you said, seven days, it's that's not going to change. I don't see a reality where it does change. The more people who subscribe, the more stuff they can go to bat and try to get happen. The reason why there were more English commentary this year was because there were more subscribers. Like they immediately, there's a close to a one to one justification on the more people subscribe, the more effort they're gonna put into it. It's just a shame for stuff like I imagine that that's the uh, that that was the DVD cut that they put out that they decided to digitize versus the much longer show that was up and circulated for a long time there with it. Uh, it, it it the network has its charm. It has its frustrations. My my current wish is actually to have a good Google Chromecast kind of feature so I don't have to, like, plug it into my TV or have to deal with, like, reloading it twice a show. So the, 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 that that's my network bitching for I, right I, I now. I will
1: say, if you're on the fence about it, the functionality of the network is flawless. I never have issues watching shows. It's just a matter of whether or not those shows are on the network, and, you know, again, they're there for seven days, so it's, it's a bit of a commitment. It's not like New Japan World, but as soon as the show happens, it's archived. You can watch it as soon as the final bell rings. You can watch it on demand, and it's there for seven days. You know, a little, a little scheduling goes a long way with the Dragon Gate Network.
0: And if you only want to watch English commentary, English commentary, for the most part, stays up there infinitely. So
1: it, yeah, the, the Cork and Halls, I figured it out. The Cork and Halls are up there infinitely. The big pay-per-view shows, they do go down after a week, even for the English commentary. I don't know why that is, but that's how it is.
0: That makes sense. That makes sense. All right, next question from Slight Confuse: What are the must-watch Dragon Kid matches?
1: Oh, God. Okay, uh, let me... Let me rack my brain real quick. I'm gonna head to his. Yeah, you you, you start, Mike, just because I know you're gonna go on a monologue here.
0: Well, first and foremost, go watch him versus Suji Kondo from Kobe World 24 2004. <clears throat> like that's the top one to watch. Like that is that. Then I would probably get into the CK1 tag team run. You know, I mean, they had had such a long run, and in retrospect, the matches were a lot better than what they were at the time, and. You know, that was a tag team that when they started to gel, they were absolutely excellent. And those are, I guess, would be, like, the two, like, B points. The big thing about Dragon Kid is that he's someone that, at this point, he's in a role that he will probably have another Dreamgate challenge at one point. But he's really pretty much where he is. He'll probably have a Brave Gate run sometime before he hangs it up. He will have another Twin Gate run or Triangle Gate run. And he's just kind of who he is. And it, it's interesting you know what Dragon Kid match I really enjoyed was him versus Bandito a couple of years ago. Mm. That was one that was a, really cool. What
1: was that Gate of Destiny 2018? Maybe.
0: Yeah, Gate of Destiny 2018.
1: Because they they did Pac versus Flamita and it sucked. And it w- it's like the most disappointing match of my entire life. But then Dragon Kid Bandito delivered to the fullest.
0: Yeah, yeah. I, I would also involve involve anything that involves Ada with Dragon Kid. Just just take a hard pass on that.
1: Yeah. When I think about dragon kid, I got, I mean, it, it's one of those, it, it's a Testament to the dragon system where this guy's been legitimately great for 21 years now. And you just kind of go, you know, wh- where do you even start with a guy like that? If you have not seen the POC match from dead or alive last year, that is essential. I mean, that match on just a number of levels was absolutely brilliant uh, one of the things that I, I really liked about Dragon Kid was his time in Dragon Gate USA, actually. And, yeah. you know, he does the the singles feud with Masato Yoshino because those guys were paired together forever, which is funny because I don't, I don't know if they ever had a truly great singles match with one another and they probably had more singles matches than any other pairing in, in Dragon System history. And I just, I, I don't know if those guys ever really figured it out, but they were paired together so often but the Dragon Kid and Shingo versus Masato Yoshino and Naruki Doi match from the third Dragon Gate USA show opened the Freedom Gate. I think about that match a lot. I went four and three quarters on that when Mike and I watched it for the Dragon Gate USA Rewind project. And I'm content with that rating, but sometimes I think, is that a five-star match? Because that was, that was really good. And that's, That is a match that has lingered with me. For the longest time. So I, I, I like all of his Dragon Gate USA stuff. I think he worked hard there. I think he was a pushed commodity. It was over with the American audiences. So it worked out really well. And then, you know, you go back further. And like Mike mentioned, the Shuji Kondo match from World 2004. And then, you know, Mike, he's got one of your favorite matches of all time.
0: Oh, which one is that?
1: The Darkness Dragon match.
0: Oh, yeah. Christ, how did I forget <laughs> that one? Yeah, no, um. Uh darkness dragon versus dragon kid from absolute mente it is mascara contra mascara two out of three falls probably one of the greatest half hours of storytelling in dragon Kid history i just think i just lumped that into not as a dragon kid match but just as a dragon system match and that's why it slipped my mind the the
1: other the other one that is out there for the most part i it it should be not on youtube but on daily motion or whatever else is out there at this point dragon kid versus sua from august 24th 2000 the mask versus hair match that that's was, great yeah that that's probably uh, no it's not the first great match in toriamon history because i do think 99 has some high points that have just been forgotten about due to time but dragon kid versus sua is one of the early examples of like oh Ultimo's kids are not only fun, they're, like, really, really, really good. And that Dragon Kid versus Sua match is a prime example.
0: Yeah, that's a good one there. Uh, From Thoros, at Thoros on Twitter, Thor- Thoros underscore on Twitter, pardon me, what's a unit that you want to see next year after the Generation Wars end? Uh, I'll th- I'll throw mine out that I've liked before. I want to see Shun, I want to see Mochizuki, I want to see two of the young, I want to see Kamei and Kakuda, And I don't know how Benkei and Okuda go in there, because that's kind of a heavy-hitting thing, but I think those four are a great core of a unit.
1: Yeah, I agree with all of that, with the exception of, look, Mochizuki can hit the bricks. I think Skywalker leading these rookies to attack the elderly grandpa of Dragon is a, a better story there. I, I would like to see some sort of veteran army versus Skywalker and the rookies storyline going forward. I don't know... If I have a dream unit, there's two guys on the roster where I'm really curious to see what their next step is post-Generational Warfare. Because I think right now, they fit into the units that they're in really well. I think the Generational Warfare makes sense for them, and they're slotted correctly. And after this, we'll see if their stock rises or falls, but I, I think they're in a position... Where I, I just I can't get a read on them. And one of them is Casey, who I yeah. think has to be leading his own unit coming out of Generational Warfare. I think even a 1B with a Yamato or a Ben K is going to be a mistake. I think Casey needs to have a flagship unit where he is constantly in the title picture and has a, a group of guys around him. You know, Punch Tamanaga can't be his number three. Okay, Punch Tamanaga needs to be his number six if he's leading this unit. <laughs> he needs to have a strong unit around him. And then the other guy that I'm just not sure about for a, a multitude of reasons is Shuji Kondo. I I don't know what his next step is. I'm assuming he's sticking around. I, I think he is a full time roster member going forward, and I hope that he is, because you know, we've been raving about him since he came back in July. But I don't know where he fits. I don't know if, you know, we get Shuji Kondo and Jason Lee in the same unit anytime soon. I I hope we do, but I'm really curious just because we only really know him in the Torimon slot. And I I think it would be, I know we predicted this a lot when he first came into the company. I hope Kondo's next move is not a heel turn into the heel unit. I would like to see him stick it out as a, a tweener type in just some unit coming out of this but i'm not sure that's gonna happen
0: yeah that's fair that's fair and that's interesting about conduct because i'm kind of the same mind about him i kind of want to see where he sticks because i already know he'll be a top tier heel i want to see how he fits in with the rest of everyone there all right so this is from hb joker on twitter brady uh I- i'm gonna just curtail this because we can go on forever about this and we talk about this a lot what are the most significant matches i should watch a cap- catch myself up on the current Dragon Gate canon. I think that I'm just going to throw one match out there that's an absolute must-watch, and that's Shingo Tsukaki versus Misaki Mochizuki, Gate of Destiny 2015. Like, you have to go watch that match. But, like, it's required, pretty much. Uh, what other matches do you think would be the absolute must-watch ones?
1: In terms of relating to the current Dragon Gate universe?
0: Yes, yeah, uh, they pose that as the current canon.
1: Yeah, well... It's an odd match to bring up, just because all of the guys are in different stages in their career. But if you haven't seen Blood Generation versus Do Fixer from Ring of Honor Supercard of Honor 2006, that is on the Ring of Honor YouTube channel. That match is free, and it's. But but I I I really hope this doesn't come across as gatekeeping because it's it's the opposite. I I swear I mean the opposite. If you're going to watch Gate, you need to watch that match. And it's not to uh, gain you social credit by any means. It's because you will love that six-man tag match, and you'll it'll open your mind up to a world of possibilities of, of what Gate can be. So I implore people to go watch that match, and it's free on Ring of Honor's YouTube channel. You know, Ring of Honor sat on that match for about 12 years. <laughs> 13 years, actually, just yeah, not, not knowing what to do with it. The only uh, legal way of watching that match was a Ring of Honor Sinclair compilation. I think it was like Ring of Honor Best of Japan. And it was, you know, the Liger matches, uh, Joe versus Kobashi, the Masawa appearances. They had both of his matches on there. And then they had everything that the Drengate guys did in Ring of Honor in America. They didn't include the 2007 and 2008 shows, but, it, you know... It was just like, that was the way I saw it, because that's the way I watched all of classic Ring of Honor, was through these Sinclair DVDs, because at... at this is a story that does not matter, but when I was 13, I started umpiring. I made a crazy amount of money umpiring. It obviously wasn't like, well, I'll save this money for later. It was 14. Like, I was going to buy wrestling DVDs with this money, and so I just bought everything Sinclair put out, these old compilations, and so that is how I saw it until it was uploaded on their YouTube channel. I mean, that DVD had been out of print for five or six years. That match was just nowhere, and it was all of a sudden like, oh, that's right, we have this historically significant match, Let's put it on our YouTube. Thank you, Ian Riccaboni, for having a clue about what to do. Um, so I think you've got to watch Blood Generation versus Do Fixer. And then, as for the other stuff, I'm trying to think of what's on the network and specifically stuff that's post Shima, because I really think the company, I, I mean, it literally is different than when Shima was involved, but it feels different also. I think Pac versus KZ from last year, Pac versus Skywalker from last year, Pac versus Ben K. And then Doi versus KZ and Doi versus Susumu this year. I think those are the five or six matches that you absolutely have to watch.
0: Yeah, I'm with you on that. And then I think it's worth watching from this year, and it's going to be on YouTube because the other version isn't. Is watching the uh, Gate of Destiny or the Kobe World uh, Brave Gate match? It's easily available, and that gives you a sense of the rising style within the company as well. But I'm with you on seeing, like, the top-line ones. And the nice thing about the Dragon Gate 6-man from 2006 is that it's a good branching-off point, because then you can go see, like, oh, I really like Dragon Kid, I really like Ryo Saito, I really like Naruki Doi, and you can kind of pick and choose from there.
1: You know, the the other one that needs to be mentioned is uh, a match that you don't even need a Dragon Gate Network subscription to watch because it's on the Dragon Gate YouTube. The only issue is that I need to make sure I have the right date on it. Mike, do you remember the rookie match that we loved that opened a show. So it's for free on YouTube.
0: Oh, it's Kobe Sambo hall from September or uh, it was from like two, two months ago. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I'm trying to pull up my match of the year spreadsheet real quick just to see if I can grab it. But that one, uh, if you have not seen that, I mean, that's, that's the current class of guys. That's everybody we've been talking about on this show and raving about since their debuts. I and mean, I think about the hours of content we've done on these guys that are less than a, a year into their career at this point, but it, it feels fruitful. It feels worthwhile. And it's just, you know, it, it's what we have to talk about because again, these guys are, are the future of pro wrestling. And I, I just, I, I love seeing the upward trajectory that they've had. Was it uh, the rookies against Ben K Jason Lee and coach Minora? Was that the match?
0: Yes, from October seventeenth.
1: October seventeenth. That match is on the Dragon Gate Network YouTube. It is free. That is the other match that you absolutely have to hunt down.
0: All right, this one's from at Marius GW. We got two questions, and I think the first one we can kind of quick fire it. What do you think is the best year in the history of Dragon Gate, and why?
1: You know that that, that there's there's three years that are eligible. In my opinion, and we'll even include, I'll include the Toriumon stuff in that just because I don't think they had any year that was as consistent as the three I'm about to mention. Well, well, real quick, Mike, what do you think the best year bell to bell of Toriumon is the entire year?
0: Probably 2001.
1: Okay. Yeah. I I, I think I'm a little bit higher on 2000 than most people because I really like the m2k double ring out committee i think that gimmick is brilliant actually but yeah but 2001 or 2002 just because 2002 you get all of the t2p versus torymon stuff but yeah I, i would agree with that as for best years just overall i think 2005 2011 and 2015 are the years to look at mike do you agree with me there
0: Yeah, no, those were the three I would name, and the one that I would rank higher is 2011, but I know that you're a 2005 partisan.
1: Well, yeah, so I rewatched all of 2005 earlier this year, because I had never seen the full year altogether, and then I I found all of that footage and, and had access to it, and, you know, I was home quarantining in March and April. I was like, let me watch 2005 Drangate and forget about the world for a second. <laughs> so I, I did that, but then I also rewatched a lot of 2011 with you for the Drangate USA rewatch this year. The the stuff that I haven't seen a lot of it since it aired is 2015. And that's what I'm really curious about, but I, I haven't seen a lot of it in, at this point, four or five years. I will say this January of 2005 through August, of 2005 is perhaps the greatest run from a creative and in-ring combined standpoint that any company has had. It's unbelievable. Just the consistency because all you get that airs that year is you get monthly Cork and Hall shows and then you get a 2-hour block of clip TV. And that's that's pretty much it. And on those TVs you're getting if you're lucky two or three full matches, and then it's just a ton of clipped footage throughout, you know, th- they were running a different uh, taped circuit at that time, but, it's you know, by March you recognize all the buildings they're running, but it is unbelievable, just the Blood Generation taking over, I think January 14, 2005, that Cork Hall show to begin the year is one of the best top-to-bottom Dragon Gate shows in history, and it's really... Front ended by Doi turning heel in the opening match, and then the back end is Milano versus Rio Saito in one of the best matches in Drangate Gate history. And a lot of that year is Rio Saito just having—he's just on fire. That's the—it's the apt way of describing it. Rio Saito was just on fire in 2005, and I love just what they were doing. Interesting gimmick matches, a lot of two out of three fall stuff, captain's fall matches. The focus of the company was the triangle gate belts that year. Mochizuki was the Dreamgate champion for that entire year through November, and he feels like the backseat guy. It's all Blood Generation versus Do Fixer, Blood Generation versus M2K. Katsuhiko Nakajima's in the mix. Tozawa makes his debut. Hulk makes his debut. I think if you are taking January to August, that is that is the strongest period there's ever been. But September, October, November, there's a real noticeable drop. Despite, you know, I, like I love the September 2005 Cork and Hall Main event with Taka Michinoku in a six-man tag and, and Shingo pins him, and it. it's just a brilliant, brilliant display of booking. But I think the final few months trail off a little bit, whereas 2011 is almost the opposite, where it starts a little bit slow And you know, other than the Yoshino versus Fuji match in January of that year, it's not like I'm waxing poetically about January through March of 2011. But once things really pick up, and especially once you hit May with that Dead or Alive show with Mochizuki versus Yamato in the main event, and then the next month Junction Three Forms, and then you're off to the races. It's there's so much there because it, it, it reminds me of 2005, where there are shows where there's literally not a bad match on the card. Even guys like Cyber Kong and Yasushi Kanda are bringing the goods in 2011. Like, they're incredible. Cyber Kong is an awesome wrestler at points in 2011. It's unbelievable. So, I think overall, I would say 2011, 2005, 2015. But I would put those years, those three years, up against, you know, Ring of Honor in 2005, Ring of Honor in 2006, with the exception of, of maybe New Japan, and I don't even know, during this peak, I don't know what their best year would be, maybe 2015. You know, New Japan in 2015, or All Japan in 93. I don't know if there's been better years for promotion than what Dragon Gate did in 2005, 2011, and 2015.
0: And just to add one more thing to the case for 2011 being the best year, you have the year long pack versus Ricochet feud.
1: It's unreal. It's I mean, it's... It's so good. We just rewatched all of it. It's so good.
0: Yeah. So 2011. I I'm surprised we came to consensus about it. I was I was ready to argue 2011 versus tw- 2005, but you made my argument for me. No, uh, they having did- just
1: having just watched all that 2005 stuff, uh, the the August TV, the Dragon Gate Infinity for August of 2005. It is two hours of clipped. Blood generation versus do fixer matches, and it's unfucking believable, Mike. It's like the best two hours ever and then once you get past that, there's a noticeable decline that I don't feel like twenty eleven really ever had
0: yeah i mean twenty eleven you just have the slowness and then everything consolidating and then just exploding for the next eight months like like that's the cool thing is like yes. January and March are kind of slow because you're starting to see who is blood warriors and see people turning and you see like the dissolution of kamikaze, you see rolled one fall apart, but then you get full bore into it and it's insane stuff. Their follow up question is, what do you think about Anthony W. Morey? I always liked him as a brave. I thought he would be someone that if you suck around, he'd be like one of those fixtures that would be getting brave gate shots every year and be a solid three on a triangle gate team. I think that Morey is someone that is kind of missed in a way, but I think that he's someone that, you, you know, I don't know where necessarily he would stack up in 2020, but I, 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 historically, there are a lot of Dragon Gate and Torimon guys that kind of just hand wave, but Mori is not one The Mori was always cool.
1: You know, Mori retires at an interesting point because he retires in 2010. And I, I just would have liked to have seen him in the blood warriors, Junction Three feud just to see what he would have been like. I think it it just would have been an interesting uh, dichotomy there. I I genuinely don't know what he would have brought to the table, and I would have really liked to have seen that. He's fine. I mean, he was never one of my guys. I I yeah. don't I don't know. I I don't know what the great NCAA-W Mori match is, and I I know it's there. I know he's got you know at least one match that that probably knocks my socks off but uh, you know I I think ultimately it says a lot about Mori that I'm trying to think of it and I can't and I just rattled off uh, most of the 2005 Cork and Hallmade events off the top of my head so the fact that I can't name a a truly great Mori match is a bit of an issue but not someone that was offensive by any means someone that I I, I enjoyed watching in a limited capacity.
0: Yeah the Mori, Ryo Saito, Takuya Sugawara stuff is easily the best stuff of Sugawara's career and some of the better uh drama based stuff that dragon gates ever really done or toryomon has ever really done it's just you know he was someone that you know i I mean i am taku awasa's favorite or biggest fan at least western fans and i know who he was and i and i know that my opinion of him is heavily biased and i kind of see him kind of ending up like taku awasa like i kind of lump him in the same category in a way
1: yeah, I think that's an apt comparison. I mean, he's one of the you know the lower-card guys. It'll sound like a cheap comparison to compare him to Maria, but I really do think that is the best comparison. Maury's someone that could turn it on every once in a while and have a really, really good match, and then would be a non-entity on the undercard, and that was fine, and that was his role. And I think Maria... I, I, I always wonder if Maury's not missed as much just because Maria with a similar character, obviously not the same, but a similar character in similar match output has just filled that role perfectly.
0: Right. And we have one last question, and this is going to be kind of a wide-reaching one. This is from Gerard Trolio, writer at VOW. Gate these days has the momentum of a, freight, a runaway freight train, but what do you think the current weaknesses of the company that need to be addressed that could hamper it in the medium and long term? I, I think it's Mike Work.
1: Oh, okay, yeah. Uh, well, I think I, Mike I, Work I, with I the younger say, guys. I, I just asked somebody, because I was curious. I, I asked, you know, what is SB Kento like on the microphone to someone that speaks the language? Because I obviously don't. Because if you remember, Mike, you know, like, when L. Lindemann debuted as Yuga Hayashi, it was not only like, oh, here's this judoka that's really fun and really charismatic and, you know, his size probably isn't going to be that big of an obstacle in this company. But the thing that, you know, really made him ascend to the, uh, up the card rather quickly was the fact that he could talk and the fact that he would be in promo battles with Shima in Cork and Hall and the crowd would get behind Al Lindemann. Like he was the favorite in, in those moments. And I was just curious because of the way SB Kento had been portrayed recently what was he like on the microphone? And the the report I got back was uh, not spectacular, but sounds confident and people believe in him. And you know that's something that T Hawk certainly never had, and I and I don't think Ata has ever fully accomplished that, and Ben K has not accomplished that. So that is a huge seal of approval for S B Kento. I mean the the biggest roadblock for Dragon Gate right now, I think it's health. Because I think we've seen just how quickly all of this momentum can be derailed. You know, at the start of twenty seventeen we're coming off of December first, two thousand sixteen, the rookie versus rookie versus veteran tag, which is, you know, in a way defined this show, and we're thinking, Oh my god, Dragon Gate's future's figured out. Look at all of these young prospects. They're world champions great, they're on fire creatively. This is the company of the future. And then Masato Yoshino goes down with an injury. And we never see Katsumi Takashima past, I think, June of that year. He's he's too injured to compete, and it's a real bummer. And Mike, wasn't there another big injury in January that I can't remember? Yoshino? Well, yeah, it was, it was Yoshino, Takashima, and I thought there was a third one. Oh, gosh.
0: I mean, there were... Could that have been a time that Ryo Saito got banged up? But I can't...
1: Yeah, it might have been, it might have been Saito. Might have, I mean, Cyber Kong is the one that injured Yoshino, or I guess was in the ring when Yoshino got injured. That's not fair to say to Cyber Kong. Oh, it was Takahiro Yamamura. Oh,
0: Yamamura was much later, though.
1: Yeah, Yamamura was much later, but it was... Well, you know what it was? Ishida got hurt. It was oh, she Ishida almost broke hurt. his neck.
0: Yes, that's it. Yes,
1: and then Yamamura filled in, and we were like, Every- "Guys, everything's like gripping <laughs> with with such intent and sweating bullets." Guys, everything's fine. Takahiro Yamamura is here to save the company. We don't have anything to worry about. And then Yamamura ends up getting hurt. Uh, maybe by world of that year, I think he gets hurt in the summer, and that was kind of his first injury. Uh, maybe I'm wrong.
0: It was during the summer venture tag league. Because yeah, was the okay. last Summer of Venture Tag League, and he got injured partway through it. Because he had a match against Kakatora at World that year.
1: Yes, and that, that was a Summer of Venture Tag League where... I guess that was 2016, never mind. I was going to say because Ben Kay got hurt in a Summer of Venture Tag League, but that was 2016. So I just think health, because, you know, Mike and I love the rookies. We love Dragon Daya. We love Strong... You know, we like Strong Machine J. We love Kaisuke Akuta Kaito Ishida, but their futures are not guaranteed. And it's, it's a freak accident waiting to happen where all of a sudden the Sheeta is never the same wrestler that he once was. And I know that's morbid, but that's also just the reality of it. Now, I will push back to an extent because all I hear about from people that don't watch Dragon Gate is how dangerous this style is and how these guys are crippling, crippling themselves. And luckily, that has died down a little bit, I think, just because those voices have died down a little bit in general. But look... They work more shows than anybody in Japan. They supposedly work this harder style. But Mike, you look at a suicide dive done in Dragon Gate or an over-the-top rope dive, they are jumping onto six people at a time. And on top of that, there is no company that preaches perfection more than Drag Gate. If you are out of step in the Drag Gate ring, if you are one step off, People will notice, and it is not tolerated in the Dragon Gate Dojo, and it is not tolerated in the ring, and you will either shape up or you will not be used anymore, and it it is a pretty simple concept. So they take care of each other, they trust each other. We don't see these catastrophic injuries. I mean, Yoshino is a superhero, so he doesn't count, and Yamamura was a freak accident, and then he returned from that, and it was, you know, Wrestle 1 that finally did him in. But I'm waiting for the evidence for a company that's been around 21 years now. Uh, you know, where, why, when are these guys going to decline? Because it's not happening with Mochizuki. It's not happening with Fuji. It's not happening with Doi. not happening with Susumu. It's not happening with Drang Kid. When is it going to happen? I'm not worried about, you know, these guys taking some crazy superplex bump and never being able to walk right again. I'm worried about the freak accidents because this is what halted their momentum in 2016 and led to a very dark era of the company. And you know, I think we're better off than we were then. But the for as good as these rookies are, I fear the Joe Burrow. I fear the torn ACL and an MCL, and that guy's just never the same again.
0: Yeah, and I think that that's a completely rational fear. Just to further illustrate my point about Mike Work, there is no promotion in Japan that has such an emphasis on mic work that Gate does. And that's a problem that they've had pretty much from the beginning. It used to be that Shima would eat kids up in the ring and then they would never touch a microphone again. It's something that with Kodaman with and Nora, they've obviously tried to get him more comfortable in the microphone. It seems like that's going pretty well, but it's something that... A big reason why Maximum was such a big thing was that they knew that they could have Doyoshi at the end of the show have a funny conversation say, thank you very much for coming. We'll see you next month. And they need to have that. And that's going to be a big thing. The rest of it, like injuries, you're absolutely right about that. The rest of it, you know, I mean, that's just the kind of stuff that like, you have to hope that some of these people hit, you have to hope that the fans cross over for generations. And I wrote a whole article about how they're presenting the fans for the next, preparing the fans for the next generation. And it seems to have done pretty well. So I, I, I think health and charisma, are really the two big things there. Unless you have anything else you could think of before we get out of here.
1: No, I think that's entirely fair. And Mike, I gotta say I had fun doing this show.
0: Yeah, yeah. I don't... I feel like mailbags are something that gets done too much on shows, so... I very sparingly pull that card out, but I feel like this week was a good week to do one when we only had really two matches to talk about to preview, but that's going to do it for this week of open the voice gate of uh, our weekly update. We will be back next week with a full review. We'll know what the full card is for a gate of origin. Cause it will have happened.
1: Well, yeah, and... hold, hold on one second. I, uh, I'm looking at the Gaiora website. Did they
0: seriously put this up right now? No,
1: hold, hold on, hold on. I gotta, I gotta make sure I'm looking at the right stuff here. Uh, Nope, I was I was I was looking at the wrong card. I, that's why that's why we paused, we took a breath, <laughs> and we analyzed. And it turns out that I was looking at the the show on the twenty seventh and not the show on the twenty eighth.
0: So we so we'll be back next week talking, giving you a full review of the card, and then previewing December because December is going to start off really hot and heavy with that Sapporo triple shot. Before that, we have a Corkin on the second. So I mean, it's going to be. Uh, we're enjoying our time. We're having a nice leisurely talk. Thanks to everyone for the questions. Those were some really fun ones, but I think that's going to do it case.
1: Yeah, that was really fun. Thank you to everybody that sent in questions. I, I really enjoyed that.
0: Yep. So that's going to do it for this episode of open the voice gate. You can follow us on our Twitter account. We just crossed 500 followers for the podcast account. I don't know if I mentioned that before, but that yeah, was we really just crossed
1: 500 on the voice gate account. I just had a thousand followers on at underscore in your case. I think 987 of you have me muted, but I appreciate the support. <laughs>
0: Yeah, I, I, I'm just slumming in the low 800s. Don't mind me. But <laughs> I, I, I'm at Fujiheya, and if you have the Twitter app, you can probably see photos of my parents' dog for the next few weeks. So that, that's an incentive to follow that. But that's going to do it this week. So for KISS, I'm Mike. That's it for Open the Voice Gate. Take care, everyone.